Well, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 110 of Starting the Conversation and welcome to a double episode day. I am well and truly turning the podcast on its head at the moment and giving you two episodes to tune into this week. And they're both episodes that I'm super excited to share with you because they're on the topic of money, which if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you will know number one is a topic that I love to talk about. And number two is a topic that I've been focusing on over the last few months. I've been focusing on the topic of money because my business has just gone through the transition from being a sole trader to now being a limited company. That was a decision that I landed on because of the way my business was growing and my priorities with the long term of my business. But let me tell you, it was a transition that came with so many question marks. It's safe to say I absolutely could not have done it without the help of Ben, my accountant, who joins me in today's episodes to help really just demystify fire and walk me through what that was gonna look like. I sat down with Ben in this episode to really just grill him on what is the difference between sole trader and limited and why might we choose one over the other in terms of how we want to set our businesses up. So if like me a couple of months ago those are just two pieces of jargon to you and you don't really understand what they mean or which is a better fit for your business I really hope this episode serves you in giving you a better understanding of what that looks like and hopefully empowering you to land on which one is the best fit for you and what you're building. So I will stop rambling and let you get into it. This is me and my accountant Ben talking about the differences between sole trader and limited. Ben, you've probably never been asked such a simple question before, but before I even ask you like, what's the difference between sole trader and limited, when we're talking about those phrases, what are we actually referring to? Like, what do those things mean as a whole? So yeah, basically a sole trader is what HMRC gives for the name of someone who is running their own business. So they can be, doesn't really matter what they're doing, but from HMRC's point of view, if you're not employed and you aren't operating for a company, which we'll get to in a minute, then you are self-employed. And if you're on your own doing that, then you're a sole trader. Partnership is kind of two or more sole traders working together. So it's basically the same, but there's just two or more of them and they split the profits depending on what they agree upon. And so that means that they are, they're self-employed, they have to fill in a tax return and they have to declare all their income and expenses. And they do that on a normal tax return and they are the business. So it can be Ben Nacker trading as Ben Nacker Consulting or whatever it might be, you know, or, or you know, Alice Benham, like you have been as a sole trader before when we first yeah. started talking you are the business there's no you've got the same credit file you are you've got the same responsibilities mm-hmm. now as a company it almost creates a separate entity so it has the company has its own credit score it has its own legal boundaries and its own it needs its own contracts it's got its own terminology and hmrc sees the company as any other kind of big business company so you know it doesn't differentiate between whether you're your bt or alice benham limited like you are a company and you're both going to be the same company as far as structure goes now there's going to be tons of more shareholders and directors and people in bigger companies than there are small businesses sure but the the overall structure remains the same so as a as a company owner you are then normally employed by your company and you're still calling the shots. You still need to record all your income and expenses. 
the filings are a little bit different, which I'm sure we'll get into and stuff in terms of what, what the responsibilities are between the two. But ultimately, you are um, you are separate. Your own credit file is not affected. You are, you know, so that's that's probably the main, the main differences between the two. And a limited company, from HMRC's perspective, um, you know, is still a business. They're still both businesses. It's just the structure is different. Mm. And I guess when we're referring to the kind of businesses that I work with or who'd be listening to this podcast, which would be typically kind of um, like one man or one girl bands or one person with a couple of employees, yeah. would you typically say like that, you know, if you run a business, you are one of those two things if you fall into that category. You Like you have to be one or the other, right? It's not a choice Yeah. Thing. Obviously, there is, like we touched on, there's partnerships and there's LLPs, which are LLPs are kind of like a company and a partnership hybrid, which they're very rare. I mean, I don't think we work with any LLPs currently in our client base. And I don't think we have any partnerships either. Partnerships aren't as rare, but usually when people go into a partnership, they they're normally at their size where they go actually we're just going to go for a company because it's a little bit more formal there's a bit more agreements in place both everyone's mm-hmm. protected a bit more partnerships they're not they're not flaky but they're not as strong um like mm-hmm. legally so we tend to find that you're right that most people will either be a company or a sole trader and there's no right answer whether someone should be a sole trader first and move to a company whether someone could start as a company straight off we get a mixture and there's a little bit of that plays into your tax efficiency but there's other factors to consider there in terms of what's best for everyone's like individual scenario but that's the vast majority is that you're a sole trader or you're a company if you're working for yourself yeah so i started off i think almost four years ago now as a sole trader and honestly i think it's just because that's the thing that someone else told me to do i didn't think about it much but i think definitely when i started that made the most sense to me in terms of really simple and easy to do didn't feel very scary if that makes sense like it just felt like quite a a simple process that i wasn't messing with anything super legal to set up if that makes sense yeah and obviously like in terms of the admin and keeping up with the bookkeeping and the tax return that all felt doable by me as well so talk, I guess, first about the sole trader side, about the pros and cons of that and why people might go for that option. Yeah, so you're right. Sole traders are a lot easier to set up. It's a lot easier to manage yourself as well. The The process is if you've never been self-employed before, you need to register with HMRC and you can just type in self-assessment registration on Google and it will take you right to the hmrc's.gov website and there'll probably be a big link saying register for self-assessment here. You type in some of your details, date of birth, full name, all that kind of stuff, and they will register you for self-assessment. So you'll get in the post a 10-digit unique tax reference number, which is a UTR, and that is your identifier. That's your unique, that's what you attach to references when you make your payments to pay off your tax and stuff. That's like your tax ID almost. And HMRC have... Um, a great portal for people to be able to set up, log in. You can submit your own tax return. You can see what taxes are are outstanding, what where your taxes are even going as well. The personal tax account shows you, you know, how much went into this area mm. of the government funding and all that kind of stuff. And so, there's a lot of transparency and and um, ability to be able to file and look after your own taxes as a sole trader. It's a lot more accessible and it's. It's easier, but the actual 
depending on the size of the business, you'll run into similar challenges when it comes to bookkeeping and, and record keeping. The, the rules are very similar to whether you're a company or a sole trader. So, you know, we, we've got a couple of sole traders. It's rarer, but we've got a couple of sole traders that are like still on 200K and above turnover, very profitable still. And they pay a load of tax. It's, it's ultimately just a business decision at the end of the day, whether they want to be a, a sole trader or a company. And like I said, we have people that start off as a company right from the bat because it's it's maybe image or it makes them look bigger or more successful maybe or, or stuff like that. Or maybe they're going for investment so they have to have shares to be able to divvy up mm. to investors. So there's, there's reasons sometimes. But what I always say to people who go from, like yourself, from running from a sole trader to a company is that your day-to-day doesn't change too much. There's a little bit of admin to get it set up and get it moved over, new bank account, that kind of stuff. But you'll find that your day-to-day is very similar. You still have to keep your receipts. You still have to raise your invoices. Yeah, you know, you still have to, you know, you still run your business like you normally would. So the actual process isn't that different. The The thing that puts people off with companies or that makes it um, a bit scarier perhaps is that it is a bit more daunting. It's a bit more official in the sense of you've got to register for this company separately you get a, you still get a company UTR this time. We still recommend, if you're a director, that you still register for self-assessment yourself and you still get a personal UTR yourself as well. Um, so you'll just have two 10-digit tax numbers now, one for you, one for the company. And that's really clear is that basically, as a company owner, if you're earning through the company, you still have to do a tax return personally. So you still have to file and say, here's what I've earned from my company, especially if you've got other source of income as well, like rental profits or investments and stuff like that you still need to declare that that doesn't change but the the company side of things will get its own tax id it has its own set of accounts to file it has its tax return to file as well so very similar but they're they're completely different documents and i think that's where the biggest difference is is that i would say normally you need an accountant for a company you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. need an accountant for a sole trader and i don't say that necessarily as an accountant that's saying oh you should (laughs) buy our services for us to look after it and you know we won't tell you how it works but you know unlike personal tax where you can have that login you can submit your own tax return you can have your agent your accountant do it for you and we look after loads of tax returns it's it's not it's um it works both ways but from a company perspective it's really hard to submit a company accounts and company tax return without using commercial software HMRC don't really give you the tools to be able to file and prepare it yourself. And although you can submit dormant accounts and you can probably get a template maybe and put together accounts for the company, there's a lot of this what we call RxBRL tagging. Not going to get into it because it's literally going to send everyone to sleep. But there's a load <laughs> of like things that need to happen to those accounts to get sent to HMRC with the tax return. And commercial software is the only thing that really does that. And that's not normally something that someone's going to want to pay for because they're normally expensive licenses. And so it's normally cheaper to get an accountant to look after it and do it that way. And so there's a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit more of a, of a step. You know, you're not just setting up a business and getting going. You've got to create a company. You've got to decide your share structure. You've got to maybe appoint an accountant either up front or as it gets close to your year end, you start looking at it then maybe. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more things to consider on that side of things when it when it comes to creating a company so it can be a little mm. bit scary i think for people when they're when they're new to it and they they literally got an idea and that's it they're, they're not sure what to do next 
Yeah, it definitely felt exactly like you're saying there, like it kind of, it felt a lot more official, like getting those yeah. emails that was saying, you know, you are now official company and being able to look up your name on company's house is the weirdest thing alongside like Tesco and Amazon. But like you said, it's almost that is part of the reason why you might go into being a limited company because there is that sense of, I was going to say officialness, but that's definitely not an official word um, <laughs> to it in the sense of like there's that forced financial separation between you and the business, which is something that I always tried hard to do with the sole trade, but really struggled to do because I didn't have to. Whereas in limited, obviously you have to, you're either a director or an employee. And then the other part, or I guess other two parts that were interesting to me with why I went for a limited company or transitioned into limited, I should say, was first of all for the legal separation. And then second of all, for the kind of future planning of the business and how maybe my business right now doesn't need to be limited, but for what I might want to do with it in the future, it makes sense to do that transition whenever I can. So can you mention the legal part of it because I think that's something I didn't quite get until you explained it of the differences between sole trade versus limited with actually how much you're involved with that yeah absolutely so I think I think back when I when I was starting as an apprentice in 2007 we saw a huge uplift in company incorporations sole traders turned to, to companies and a lot of people just starting companies from scratch rather than doing the sole trade first and the reason being was that the dividend tax was worked out differently. It was much more efficient to be a company, like pretty much always, like regardless of even how much accounts fees you had to spend, it was still always better to be a company. Now, I think in 2013, 2014, something like that, they changed the rules slightly on the company structure so that they, they tweaked the tax efficiency, how much was, um, how the dividend tax worked, what allowances were available. And so it shortened it to a bit so that, Although usually it is still always better to be a company for tax efficiency on itself, it's not the sole reason. And if it is the sole reason just to save a bit of tax and you're earning 15k or under, it's just not worth doing. You'll end up either pulling your hair out, trying to do your accounts yourself, or you'll probably spend that tax saving in accounting fees, right? Mm. That's where I touched on earlier and what you were just saying now about there's other reasons to be limited and sometimes that can sway the decision so yeah for instance like i said if you're having someone you know you're wanting to pitch this to investors you want people to invest in your product or your idea or your service something revolutionary or something like that then they're not going to do it if you're a sole trader they must have a company to have shares in basically for them to buy from you and invest in the company people can't invest in a sole trader it's not separate it's not secure enough on either side and there's just no share structure they can't buy shares in something that doesn't have them the other thing is that the company is called a limited company and the reason it's called limited is because it has something called limited liability and a limited liability means that the debts of the company are the companies and it's not the directors now there are some things you can get banks trying to get you to sign personal guarantees or secure up as a guarantor and all that kind of stuff to kind of circumnavigate that a little bit but for the most part most debts are dead with the company if the company falls if the company mm -hmm. ends up closing maybe you run out of money maybe the idea doesn't work maybe things change and you have to wind it down or sometimes business ideas just don't work out it was the wrong time it wasn't necessarily the bad idea it was just the wrong moment to do it at least if you were doing it for a company and it's potentially risky 
or you've had to take out a lot of kind of loans or debt to kind of offset and get the idea off the ground, normally you can walk away and close the company with no real backlash and it doesn't affect your personal credit rating. You don't go bankrupt. You don't lose your house. You don't lose your car, all that kind of stuff. If you're a sole trader and you did that same kind of approach, it would all be on you personally. You can mm. lose your house. You can lose your, they can, you know, you can have bailiffs on the door, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And you because can't they get see away with it. You and the company as the same thing. There's absolutely no separation. You are the business, the business is you. Yeah. So it's the terminology is that as a sole trader, basically as a business, your business can be a sole trader or a company, right? It doesn't matter. The business is a business. It's a brand. It's a, its own revenue generating item. And so if that business is a sole trader, then you are the same as the business. There's no, you share the same financial kind of responsibilities. As a company, the business is its own credit rating. It's got its own li like limited structure. And so it's separate from you. And then you are an employee, you're a director of said company. And so that's sometimes a big driving factor in people wanting to be a company first is because they just don't want to put have the risk if they if they know they're going for a business loan or they they need an overdraft and you know they or they know that they're gonna like potentially have some some tough times to begin with while they're getting started they don't know if there's the market fully there for it they've got a business plan but they potentially haven't you know they don't know until they try right especially if it's a new product then a company can sometimes be quite a nice a nice way of of kind of stepping in because if all goes wrong at the worst case scenario usually you can walk away with no no strings attached and as long as it's not fraudulent obviously and it doesn't leave a mark against your name i think yes if you had like four five six companies that have all failed <laughs> within like six seven years like it, from from my knowledge it doesn't stop you from opening more companies but lenders can potentially see that history of you've had a multiple company so it can it can potentially affect company lending but it's completely separate from your um, your personal lending and your personal credit score. Like I said, the only way that gets navigated around is if you're going for particularly large loans, then the bank will say, well, okay, we need you as a guarantor so that if the company does fall, then the payments will be made by you personally. And, and that's not uncommon to find, but with a lot of other suppliers and things like that, and especially when it's not a loan, it's just like say, hey, you've got 90 days to pay my invoice or 30 days to pay my invoice, and you don't pay that, that is a debt with the company, not with you personally. So although it's not something anyone wants to be in, if you can't pay that bill and you do have to liquidate the company and that's closing the company down and going insolvent, which basically is declaring that the company doesn't have any money, then an appointed liquidator comes in, a third party. So you don't have to do it. You have to appoint someone who can legally do this. And they literally write to everyone you owe money to. And they say, here's how much money we think's left in the company once we've sold like the odd laptop and you know whatever we've scraped together and there's all there's like 30 of you that owe that are owed like say 30 grand collectively and there's only six grand to go around so we're just going to divvy it up and you're all going to get a little relative slice of what's left and the debts are wiped after that and you could literally create a new company that very same day and start trading um like under a new business idea or something like that and so that's like an element of protection there but it is that exactly thing there that you don't want to be using it as a it's, it's obvious when it's used as a tool for fraud and getting loans and yeah it's, it's one of the reasons why it's a backup plan that you're gonna 
bankrupt and start a new one the next day (laughs) exactly and it's something where it's they they do have ways of tracking it but for the most part where there's people that are just you know like i said i I think it's um it's still around 50 percent of businesses don't make year five and of their they don't make their fifth birthday and that fifth year you know if you know if if these businesses are you know some businesses are just going to fail they're not going to be in the right time that might not be the right idea might not have fought out the market properly and so when that happens there are going to be company closures but i'd like to think the majority of those are are naturally just from the course of things and it's not people trying to fraud the system and all that kind of stuff but but yeah it can it can happen and that's one of the big protections that a company offers is that you are separate from it you can walk away and you could go back to your to a job you could go sole trader you could open a new company you could do something different whatever whatever you want it, it, it keeps you nice and separate there whereas a sole trader you're you're in a little bit of trouble if you find yourself in that situation so we normally recommend if you're planning to raise money or you're going to be wanting to get a lot of capital to start off with that you do consider looking at a company just purely from even if it's not going to be more tax efficient to begin with it's tax efficiency then almost isn't the priority it's just a potential bonus that you might get from it the main thing you're looking for there is then oh the security that the company's bringing me there is something that i want um Mm. and that's why we get a load of people that just start off as a company but yeah some some businesses that's not they don't need shareholders they don't need to raise any money they don't need to get any loans so they can just start as a sole trader and their their motivation behind starting as a company might be that they either think they're going to be super successful in the first year like they're gonna you know it's not a hobby business it's not a slow burner they're gonna make you know 50 60 grand minimum in their first year in which case they're going to be better off tax efficiency wise as a as a company or it could be the perception where they want to say that they've got a company they want they want that, you know, people be able to Google their name or their business name and see it on company's house. It it means, we see this a lot when people are working with big brands, um, you know, if they're working with like River Island or Selfridges or so, so-and-so, whoever it might be, they want that company item because they know that people are going to check that and see if they're too, you know, are, are they too small to work with if they're not a company? It's, it's complete, like, it has no bearing at all. You can be a sole trader and work with the biggest companies in the world. But there is that weird perception that, you know, the, a company is more official, that you're more serious about it, rightly or wrongly. It's similar to VAT as well, that some people think they should be VAT registered because it makes them look good or bigger or whatever. But complete myth. It's um, You can yeah. voluntarily register for VAT. So you can be earning nothing and be VAT registered. And people know that as well. So I think I think it's looking at what's important to you when you're starting your business. And one thing, and I know we spoke about this as well, was finding the time when you switch. So if you do start as a sole trader and inevitably the only the next step up for that business, if you are wanting to go into a company structure is to become a company. There's no kind of next step above that really. So some people just like to start as a company. They've done it all day one when there was no customers and they don't really need to move then. They've got their bank set up. They've got all everything set up from a nice foundation. Other people like like yourself as well and many of our clients start as a sole trader and in a year or two they start getting to the point where they're like okay i need to switch to a company and it's finding that time to do that because they do need to close their existing bank down open a new one they need to update their terms and conditions their contracts they need to find the time to do that 
to tell all their clients about their new bank details, swap over their stripes, their PayPal's. You've probably been through all this so far over yeah. the last few weeks as just well. Just nodding and... my head, just to be like, yes, yeah, <laughs> a process. And, and and basically, it's it's one of those things where some people envisage themselves being so busy a year down the line that they think, actually, I'm just going to be a company now because mm-hmm. I can just get it right and I can just start as I mean to go on. Whereas other people are maybe testing an idea or like I said, it was easier at the time and you set up as a sole trader and then you cross that bridge when you get to it. You you then become a company and it'll be a couple of weeks of just transitioning and moving things over. But then you're all good to go from that point on. So it's, it's definitely, like I said, there's a little bit of admin when you're switching but you still run your business. You still send your invoices, still have the same conversations you had with your clients or customers beforehand. None of that changes. And so running the business as a business owner, it doesn't really matter what structure you're in. It's then more, are you protected? Are you tax efficient? What's the best for you at this point in time? Yeah, it definitely is that, isn't it? And I remember being in that place when I first approached you about the possibility of switching to limited of just like, Ben, just tell me that there's a right or wrong. But the point is there isn't a right or wrong. It's like, it's weighing up what your priorities for the business are and what you want to work towards and then which option is going to give you the best fit. And I'm glad you touched on as well in your answer before though about VAT, because that was something I worked through with you as well, where I think I'd initially thought like, oh, let's just go voluntarily VAT registered because I'm probably a few months off of needing to do it. So it makes sense to do it now. But again, that was one of those things where I was, a bit ended up realizing like oh it's not a right or wrong it's just what are the pros and cons of doing this and therefore does it actually line up with where you want to go and i think that's where now i'd be the biggest advocate for everyone doing this process with an accountant because although it's been tons of work in terms of like changing the contracts over and moving on my direct debits and stuff like that from the legal perspective which is always what scares me it's been so simple because I mean, I haven't seen any of it. I just got an email from you one day that was like, here's your new company, there you go. And I'm like, brilliant. But I think having someone else there that can talk you through the pros and cons and whether those pros and cons matter to you really helps. Because it can feel quite complicated of like, sole trader, limited, VAT registered, yes, no. That can be a lot to navigate. And I think think that's one of the things. I mean, like we, we do company formations as a service, as you know, and like, you know, you can you can register a company with Companies House, and I think it's I think it's a tenor on Companies House, like to file it. That's crazy. It creates the name, and it sends you it sends you a blanket template, and it's literally like there you go. And you don't really then know what you need to do with it next. You're not registered for any taxes. It hasn't given you share certificates. It hasn't given you any minutes, board minutes, or anything like that. And there's a load of these things like board minutes. I mean, we sent you a template you did not sit down with yourself and decide this, but we create that template because it's it's the thing to do. You need you need the board minutes to then prove that you decided that you were going to set up a company on X date, opening X bank account, doing, you know, would you register for this or that? And so I don't even know if you read it, but basically there's that, there's that, uh, oh, that, ben, that I minutes. Oh, Ben, I wish Yeah, <laughs> but there's that just minutes document like, yeah, that we yeah, sent you. <laughs> and and it's literally just it's literally just part of the paperwork of the form, but it's something that you don't get normally. Same with share certificates, same with the, the, the guidance through it and stuff like that. And and same with like, you know, it's deciding, you know, it's, it's trying to go through and find out all the stuff yourself and what you need and what you don't need and stuff like that. And and sometimes it is easy just to chat to an accountant about it because we see it day in, day out with all of our clients and all the different people with different backgrounds and different businesses. 
what was right for them, what worked out, what didn't work out, all that kind of stuff as well. And like I said, there is no there is no right and wrong answer really. It is personal preference. And sometimes there is like, oh, you would have saved X amount as a company. But it's then sometimes the simplicity of just being a sole trader is sometimes just nicer than having to deal with all of that company stuff and rigmarole, pay a little bit extra in tax, but you've got it more simple and, you know, it's, it's, it's just one tax return. You don't have to worry about all these different filing deadlines with a company and things like that. So, yeah, sometimes it's just looking at what you feel is best for your business at, at that time as well and just talking through the options um, yeah. with, with an accountant or someone who knows what they're doing on that side of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one final question because you've done such a good job of kind of walking through those two sides of things. And I guess the final thing, I didn't even think to ask this, but if you are looking to employ people, so say Emily, you know, is now she's a freelancer with me, but if yep. part, you know, part of the long term is that Emily works with me full time as an employee, would that be a reason to go limited? Can you have employees? And I guess premises would be another question under yeah, a limited yeah. company. So again, it's a little bit of a little bit of myth busting as well. I mean, I think there's a common misconception that you can't be a sole trader and be VAT registered. You can't be a sole trader and have a payroll scheme that they're both false. You can, you can be a sole trader and run a payroll scheme. You can ah, be a I sole trader and be VAT registered. I think trader had to just be freelancers and then you. Yeah, no, so a sole trader, you are, you are the business and you are running a business, but you can have staff, you can have your own freelancers or you can have actual people employed through a payroll scheme and it's it's exactly the same again pay slips aren't worked out any different you don't get any different payroll doesn't like the PAYA is a tax system does not change depend it doesn't care if you're a sole trader or company you get a reference number and you then have to file your your payroll as what you decide whether you want to do it weekly fortnightly monthly most commonly it's monthly mm. and yeah you can do that as a sole trader same with VAT registrations as well in it comes more back to the legal side of things because obviously the law in the UK is that if you run a payroll scheme, you have to have employer's liability insurance. Now, that's a little bit grey in terms of whether you have to if you're just employing yourself as a director, for instance. But it's normally, it's normally well, it's, it's law if you employ anyone else, like anyone separate. And basically, if they, it's, it's so that if there's an employment tribunal or they injure themselves or something like that, the minimum cover, I believe, is 10 million for, for employer's liability. And it means that the employee gets gets their payout because not most businesses aren't going to be able to afford a million pound payout for instance or a five million pound payout so the insurance is there to make sure that if something did happen say an accident happened at work and the employee was entitled to five million in cover that your employer's liability would cover that five million in payout and that will say the same as a sole trader or a company i think again it comes back to the risk the personal risk again if you're in a if you're setting up a business and you're going to need a load of staff members you're not entirely sure on the business idea yet or, or the legs it's got potentially or how you how quickly your customers are going to adopt to it then you might want to do it under a company and employ those people through there because again the PAYE taxes that you need to deduct and pay over to HMRC are then covered under the company's limited liability if the company falls you don't have to pay the taxes over if you're if you can't afford to and you're a sole trader it falls on your lap again it's it's a similar thing again likewise if you can't afford to pay your staff as a company it's, it's all um you know they would go go and get their government redundancy if eligible and they would go through that route and they can do that as a sole trader but again if they're actually owed money that needs to be paid 
then that debt is with you personally rather than through the company. So mm. there is, again, sometimes we, we don't see it often, but most people who do operate a payroll scheme are a company and that might be part of the reason as well. I, um, but yeah, I, I've got no doubt. I've heard it. It's a question I get quite a lot on sales calls and stuff. You know, do I have to be a company to run a payroll? Short answer is no, but we tend to see a lot of people do operate a payroll scheme as a company just because of the, again, the protection it gives. And normally when you're coming to hire staff, you're at a, you're at a business idea that's been tested. You've been around for a little bit, or at least you're, you're generating revenue enough to pay someone else. Because most business owners who are one man bands are struggling to pay themselves, let alone, let alone pay someone else as well. Yeah. So, and most often they pay someone else and that person is getting paid more than they are technically while they're running the business <laughs> and keeping it. And so, and so it's one of those things where, you know, having it through the company just gives you that that security there. You know, and as a sole trader, you don't need to be don't need to have a payroll scheme. You can't you don't pay yourself through the payroll. Whereas when you're a company, we normally recommend unless you've got other earnings, you have a payroll scheme, and then you pay yourself through that as a director. And the reason being is that profits from a sole trader are your trading profits and they go straight on your tax return and you pay tax on them. That's your earnings. There's no difference. It's your money. Whereas as a company, it's the company money. And so to get that money into your own personal bank account, you've got to pay yourself in some way. And that has to be for a salary or a dividend. And that's the main difference between the two when it comes to tax is that one's trading profits taxed at 20% basic rate, 40% um, higher rate. And 45% if you're in the um, additional rate, which is 150K and above, which again, very rare for a sole trader to be in that remit. There'll normally be a company there. Mm -hmm. Whereas a company pays a flat rate of 19% um, corporation tax, no matter how much it earns, 19%. And then what you take out of that is you'll take your tax efficient salary normally, which for the 2021 year that's just coming up is 732 a month. And so that's not normally going to be enough to pay the bills and pay the pay the car and all the lifestyle and stuff like that so what you take on top of that is dividends and dividends are taxed at seven and a half percent 32 and a half percent and 38.1 percent in the equivalent you know up to 50k 50k to 150k and 150k and above basically as your free bands it's a lot easier to show on a like a visual <laughs> but yeah. that's basically where you know you can earn 50k for a company and pay a lot less tax than earning 50k as a sole trader and that's that's the big saving there is a saving if you're earning 10 grand through a company and 10 grand through a sole trader but again like i touched on before that saving is kind of eaten up by the money you've got to pay an accountant to sort it all sure. out for you so that's that's tends to be where the tax saving comes in but yeah ultimately it's um there's like i've discussed already there's a load of different kind of scenarios you've got to weigh up and what's important for you to whether you're a sole trader or whether you go through the company route yeah but that info is so helpful in people doing that process because i think from experience it's just all a bit overwhelming and you kind of know the words but you don't really know what they mean so to just have the pros and cons broken down and then i'd imagine people probably have so many notes written off the back of everything you've just said yeah. to like try and get it and be like okay i'm mapping out what what these two yeah. things mean and what what that means for me yeah, to then feel like the decision you're making is the right one for you. I think that's the most important thing, isn't it? To know there's no right or wrong, which is quite nice. But ultimately, the one that I'm picking lines up with what I want. And yeah, what that's going to look like for me. For me personally, the 
like like you said, the kind of protection and the limited liability of a company. Now the business is at a place where it does have more risk. Feels brilliant. Also feels quite cool to say that I'm the director of Alice Burnham Limited. Don't get me wrong. Love bit yep. of, love bit of that. And yeah, that's felt like the right transition. But I think for everyone listening, that's really helpful to understand the differences so they can figure out what might or might not be the best fit for them. So thank you for that. Yeah. That was a lot of info. Absolutely. No, no, welcome. welcome. I'm here for it. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening in on that conversation and getting a better understanding of what those two terms mean, the differences between them and which might be a better fit for your business. The other episode that Ben and I have recorded is all about the profit first model, which is honestly a way of managing and looking at your finances, which has totally transformed my business in terms of the way that I manage money and how in control of my money I feel. So if that's something you're curious to listen to, go and check it out right now, episode number 111. I will also leave Ben's links in the show notes. So if you wanna check out his accounting company, I seriously couldn't recommend them enough for how they've helped me with this transition and just made it feel so much easier and so much simpler. Ben works or runs, I should say, Cone Accounting, which is where you'll find them. But I'll leave the links in the show notes so you can just click it there. But yeah, that is me over and out for this episode. I'll see you over at number 111 and I hope you have the best week. Mm -hmm.